Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. Have you ever opened your mail and received a letter from a law firm or a former employee or even a current employee? Maybe they email you and they say, I want a copy of my personnel records or my personnel file. And you're thinking, okay, well, what belongs in a personnel file? What should I be keeping? What do I have to turn over? Well, interestingly enough, this is not a straightforward question. Or to put it another way, there's not a straightforward answer to that question. The first thing to remember is that many employers have gone to online personnel files, meaning there is a document management or human resources information systems process where they keep all the information. So frankly, it was a little easier in the old days when you had manila folders with everybody's names on them and somebody said, I want to copy my personnel file. And you thought, all right, well, here's your personnel file. These days, it's a little more tricky if you have electronic record keeping. By the way, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You just need to understand what actually belongs in a personnel file. Here's the way to think of it. In California, any documents, number one, that are related to the person getting the job, an application, a resume, a letter of reference, those all go in the personnel file. However, background check documents do not. If you run background checks, or you do drug testing, or you do pre-employment medical exams, that information does not belong in a personnel file. Why? Well, think about this. I'm a supervisor. I go to look at my employee's personnel file. I didn't know they had a DUI or a conviction for spousal abuse 15 years ago, but that's in their background check. And it really shouldn't be if it's 15 years ago, but you wouldn't believe how you get information that you're not supposed to have when you run a background check. That information can skew my view as the supervisor of my employee. So things like background checks, drug screens, pre-employment medical exams, those don't belong in a personnel file. Anything else related to getting that job that the applicant has provided you. So the resume, as I said, application, letter of reference, anything of the sort. Now, if you do interviews and you keep notes of interviews, you don't keep those notes in the personnel file. Those belong in your HR file. But you give your employee an offer letter. You give them the Labor Code Section 2810.5 notice, which is required in California for all non-exempt employees. It's the form that lists your workers' comp carrier, their hourly rate of pay, their overtime rate, et cetera. Anything about benefit entitlement, maybe they elect benefits, they sign an employee handbook acknowledgement, they fill out a W-4. All of those documents belong in the personnel file. The other category of documents that belong in the personnel file are documents that the applicant or employee has signed. Again, not background check. None of those documents that I just excluded but if they sign a document saying 
I want you to take $50 out of my paycheck and put it in the special savings account. Or this is my 401k election form. Or this is my emergency contact form. Anything that bears their signature is going to go in the personnel file. The next category of documents that belong in a personnel file are any documents related to the employee's performance. So personnel evaluations, performance evaluations, letters of commendation, letters of instruction, right? Something that tells um, the employee that they need to improve performance improvement plans. Now, in the public sector, there are very specific rules about what belongs in a personnel file. And in the public sector, it's generally referred to as an OPF, an official personnel file. So you want to make sure that you understand if there are any specific rules because you're a public sector employer or also union employers tend to have specific rules about what belongs in a personnel file. But generally, anything about the employee's performance, good or bad. Now, one of the confusing things under California law is there is a provision of the labor code, section 1198.5, which dictates or describes what belongs in a personnel file. And one of the things that they talk about are grievances that are about or related to the employee. And a lot of, of attorneys who represent employees take the position that that means if there was an investigation done related to the employee, for example, maybe they were the complainant or they were the respondent, that that report should be in their personnel file. Just like with respect to background checks, drug screens, et cetera, documents that are otherwise considered confidential should not be included in a personnel file. So anything like an investigation report, investigation complaints, investigation notes, all of those belong in an investigation file, not in a personnel file. Now, one of the things you will often find is that if you get a letter from a law firm saying we represent your former employee or your current employee and we want personnel records, they will tell you, we want everything. We want a copy of the employee handbook. We want every email you ever exchanged about this employee. They're not entitled to that information. It's a very narrow scope of what they get in response to a request for personnel records. Now, if they end up filing a lawsuit and you go through discovery, they'll get every email, every piece of paper about that employee unless that document is privileged. Part of the communication, for example, that you had with your lawyer. Otherwise, they're gonna get everything. But at that early stage, when they've requested a copy of the personnel file or the personnel records, they don't get all that information. You don't need to go searching for every email about the employee. You want to think about the categories we've talked about. Is it related to them getting the job? Is it something they've signed? And is it something that relates to their performance? And the overarching concept is, is there another reason I'm not supposed to provide a copy of it, right? So it's a drug screen. It's a confidential investigation report. Now, 
it's important to keep in mind how you're going to manage personnel records. Number one, they should only be accessible to a very limited number of people. Only folks who have a legitimate need to know what's in those files. Remember the difference between need to know and want to know, right? So only if they have a legitimate need to know what is in those files. They should be under lock and key. It's important to have a separate file for your employees on for things like medical documents, medical notes, workers' compensation cases, insurance claims. You don't want that in the personnel file. You may have to disclose that in a lawsuit, remember, but that's not a personnel record. So you want to have a separate file for that. Many employers also have a separate file for financial documents. So let's say you have an employee who has um, a withholding order from the state. So they're subject to a wage garnishment. You don't necessarily want that in the personnel file. You could have it in the personnel file, but it's probably better to have that in a separate file where you keep that financial information. The critical thing for you to remember as an employer is you want to follow the same practices with respect to every employee. Now, that doesn't mean you can't change your practices. You can. If you decide after listening to this podcast that you want to do things a little bit differently, you can do that going forward, but just make sure you do it for everyone. What you don't want to do is have different rules for different people, right? Now, I will tell you that when I'm working with clients to respond to demands from lawyers, if I know of an email that shows that this employee was terminated for a really good reason, I'll sometimes include that as a personal record just to show the opposing counsel, you know what, this case is not worth your time. You're going to take the case on a contingency and you don't want to waste your effort here because you're, this person was legitimately terminated. So occasionally I will include documents that are not required to be maintained in a personnel file, but I think for strategic reasons, they're important to disclose. You always want to make those decisions with your counsel. And I don't like saying that because I don't want you to think this is about full employment for lawyers. But the reason there's an attorney-client privilege and attorney work product privilege is because as an employer, you need to be able to have open conversations and communications with your counsel. So if you're going to make a strategy decision about what kinds of documents you want to produce in response to a request, either from a lawyer or from an employee who you know is disgruntled or a former employee who you know is disgruntled. What you're gonna to wanna to do is make sure that you talk to your counsel and you're strategic about what you're turning over. Remember, many of you work in organizations where you have in-house counsel. You don't have to contact your outside lawyer. You just need to get some legal advice that is privileged so you can have a strategic conversation about what you wanna disclose and what makes sense to disclose. So what I tend to tell folks is, when you're thinking about what you're gonna routinely include in a personnel file, focus on those categories we've talked about, right? Documents that they submitted to get a job, or once they were hired, like a W-4, health insurance information, documents about their performance, um, certainly, and documents that they have signed. 
Then if you decide just to strategically include other documents in response to a request that you think may lead to litigation, you can make that decision at that point. One thing to remember in California is that you only have 30 days to respond to a request for personnel records. And that's 30 days from the date of the request. So you want to make sure that if you get a letter or email or voicemail requesting the information that you calendar that and you know that you have to get them those records within 30 days. You can mail them or email them on the 30th day. If you've got the records, turn over the records. Now, this is a little off topic for this episode, but sometimes, frequently, when you have a lawyer's letter, they will also request payroll records. Payroll records are a topic for a different day, but the time frame during which you have to produce payroll records is shorter. It's 21 days. So oftentimes, I will do the payroll records and the personnel records together, but again, that's a strategy call. So what you need to be able to show if you're ever testifying about what's in a personnel record is that you had a common practice and procedure. You treated personnel records the same. If you made a change in your practice, you document that you made a change in your practice, and then you apply that change to everyone going forward. So just as with anything else related to employment law or workplace rules, consistency is everything. You want to be sure that you are clear internally what goes in those records. Now, do you need to put that in your handbook? No, you don't need to tell an employee, these are the things that will be in your personnel file, but not a bad idea to tell them if you ever want to copy, this is who you should contact. Because again, you want to be using your employee handbook to direct employees to follow processes that make your jobs easier. And you wanna know when somebody's made a request. You don't want them to just go to the supervisor who doesn't have any access to the personnel record. And if they do go to the supervisor, you want the supervisor to understand that they have to go to human resources or whatever the appropriate internal department is in your organization to get those records disclosed. So although it seems like a straightforward topic, knowing what should and should not be included in a personnel file is important. Thank you all for joining us today and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.